see so many people suffering because they're just not willing to let go of the negativity. It doesn't have to be that they're addicted to any substance or anything. They're just addicted to feeling bad. Welcome to the Empower, Create, Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Alessandra Guerra. <laughs> Our special guest today is Timothy Stewart, who has dedicated his life to serving God and humanity. He is a transformational founder. Our time together flew by. We delve into unhealthy patterns and cycles and insights on how to overcome them. I'm so excited to share this experience with you. Turn up the volume and let's get started. <laughs> I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I've been wanting so badly to find someone to talk with about addictions, the meaning behind them. Why do we have them? What are the needs that we're trying to fulfill with them? The very first question I have is, how would you define addiction? Oh, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and actually not being able to stop, no matter how much we want to. It's like there's something there that we haven't tapped into that keeps pushing us to do the same thing again and again, even though we know it might not even be healthy for us. What is it that you think drives that? What causes addiction or what are the roots of it? I believe it's a lack of love. We all know deep inside ourselves, down to the very tiniest cell, that we are capable of experiencing life as vibrating human beings in total ecstasy. If we're not taught how to find that inside and create it ourselves, then we go looking for it. I really believe most addictions are people just looking for that love, that vibration they know they can get, and they haven't been taught how to get it. That is so interesting because when I was in trauma counseling in the States, my counselor was also an addictions counselor, and he talked about something called BLAST, where a lot of times we turn to our addictions to cope and regulate our nervous systems when we're bored or we're lonely or we're hungry or we're angry or we're sad or we're stressed or we're tired. And he was like, before you go and do whatever you feel impulse to do, think, what are the needs that I'm having? Maybe I'm looking for connection. Maybe I'm just hungry. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm just stressed. And then find something that you can do to meet those needs that's healthy. Many of us aren't taught what needs are healthy. <laughs> you know, what, what does truly nourish us? We all have our own individual likes and dislikes and personalities. And so we do have to find something that really resonates with us, you know, that resonates with our heart that we love to do. Some addictions, too, I really believe we picked up in the womb. Babies who were born to drug addicts, alcoholics, they can come out with the same addiction. I have found that in a lot of people with food addictions. Where was our first source of food? It was in the womb. Our mother, <laughs> whatever she took into her body, it doesn't matter if it was alcohol, it doesn't matter if it was drugs. What foods did she take in? Was she addicted to sugar? If our mother was addicted to sugar, every cell of our body from the moment we were conceived has had that sugar, <laughs> that excess, that addiction that our mother had, the pattern and the actual substance flowing through our body. I've actually seen people 
have a more difficult time breaking food addictions than addictions to heroin unless their mother was addicted to heroin when they were in the womb, because every cell of their body was formed by those food addictions our mother had. When we go to change that, when we try to shift it, when we know it no longer serves us, every part of our body, every cell is crying out, no, no, you're gonna kill me. This is how I was formed. <laughs> it's actually the basis for many people giving up and quitting various exercise programs. Usually at the beginning of every year, everybody makes these resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my body. I'm going to do that. They try it for a while and they pretty quickly give up whatever patterns formed in those first four to five years of our life. Anytime we try to change those, our body thinks it's in danger, danger of dying. There's a lot of things that go into the composition, not feeling enough love, uh, maybe the things that we were exposed to at birth. Finding you to shift that is the key. I'm imagining that my body feels like it's in danger. Does it then go into fight, flight, or freeze mode? How can we unlearn these unhealthy behaviors, especially if we've been so used to these patterns? I don't think our body even necessarily goes into those with addictions. Sometimes we just feel uncomfortable. I'm going to give up this exercise program because I feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to give up shifting to this new thing that somebody's recommended because I've tried it and I feel uncomfortable. Yes, we are going to feel uncomfortable whenever we try <laughs> to change a pattern. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. One of the techniques I learned a long time ago, and it's an Ayurvedic principle, it really works with just about anything. Once you realize you want to stop, let's just take drinking coffee, for example. There's pros and cons of drinking coffee. It's one of the most wonderful flavors around. <laughs> uh, in fact, I used, to, I used to love espresso. I, I didn't like weak coffee. I was at a birthday party, a dinner at a really nice restaurant, a really fancy restaurant, white tablecloths. I had my best cream-colored suit on with dark brown and burgundy piping. It was my favorite three-piece suit. And I ordered an espresso. The first sip I took, I had an uncontrollable sneeze. And that espresso went all over my suit. Oh, no. I knew in that moment, that was God telling me, this is no longer good for you. And I quit completely. I just quit cold turkey right then and there. Wow. It was easy. I quit cold turkey and lots of things that it didn't work doing a cold turkey. This Ayurvedic principle is if you are drinking coffee and you decide you want to quit or you're smoking cigarettes and you decide you want to quit for that next week, you continue to drink the same amount of coffee, smoke the same amount of cigarettes, but you do it consciously. So when you have the coffee or when you smoke the cigarette, you don't do anything else. You're totally present. You're observing what you're feeling. You're observing the benefits you're getting from it. And you don't let the distractions of wanting to do something else get in the way. You just be there fully with it. The next week, you do the same thing being fully present, only you cut the amount back one quarter. So now you're having three quarters of whatever you're doing. The next week you cut it to half, the next week you cut it to a quarter, and then you let go of it completely. And it, it's like you don't miss it. You really don't miss it. 
I broke myself of unhealthy chocolate eating that way. <laughs> and I say unhealthy chocolate eating because I have chocolate every day and I found a healthy way to get that. <laughs> I'll definitely have to ask for that secret. How do you <laughs> healthily chocolate every day? Uh, well, you make it raw cacao for, for <laughs> one thing, and you use a sweetener that is healthy like stevia or honey, and you add whatever flavor, peppermint oil, some orange oil, a little bit of salt, maybe like chili pepper in it, you know, cayenne pepper or black pepper, and you mix it up. Most people don't know there's a powder called mesquite. I can't get it here where I am in Spain right now, and I miss it terribly because it's a very healthy, sweet powder mixed with chocolate. It's just divine. And you can put whipped raw coconut cream on top of it. I mean, you can make yourself something very heavenly that's healthy for you. You heard it here first. <laughs> Rewinding a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, how can we introduce a healthy new pattern when we're stuck in old unhealthy patterns that we can't seem to get out of? Well, cutting back on things, like I just mentioned, is one of them. A very simple thing to do is to bring our hands to our heart, connect with our heart and our breath, breathe. It's like that person you just mentioned a little bit ago who talked about just connecting, just stopping what you're doing when you feel like you need to do it and wait bringing the hands to the heart, connecting with that deep essence of ourselves, and breathing is one way. Um, learning different types of meditative techniques to calm yourself, not just in those moments, but overall, and get a different perspective in life. I also teach people how to, you know, we've all had fantastic experiences where every cell of our body is lit up whether it's through sex, whether it's through getting in that zone when you're doing sports. Everybody has had some experience when they're looking at a sunset, when they're looking into the eyes of a baby, when they're out hiking in nature. Everybody has had experiences that have literally lit them up. If you recall those experiences and know that whatever caused them was only the trigger, but those feelings of wonder came from inside of you. If you practice several times a day, feeling and refeeling the best feeling you've ever felt, call them to you. They will eventually become a go-to anytime you want. You can focus. In martial arts, they teach people to focus right below the navel. That, that's the power center of the body. It's also the center of bliss and extreme joy can use that as a focal point and go there anytime and recreate those feelings once you've practiced doing it and they'll come right then and there you recreate the feeling a better feeling than any outer substance is going to give you I quit drinking when I noticed that I was getting and I never really had a drinking problem but I quit drinking I noticed after drinking the wine that I felt worse than I felt before. Mm. I realized that drinking wine or anything that made me feel worse than I already feel, I don't need anymore. I felt better in meditation. I felt better just every moment than that wine did. I really like how you're talking about how our entire bodies or centers are lit up and we have these experiences where we're just like, Yes, I love this. I love being alive. You mentioned something where I think the Wi-Fi cut out for a bit. And you said, <laughs> I'm happier than any outside substance could make me happy. I yes. absolutely yes. love that. 
because I think we're looking for addictions. We're looking to fulfill a need and we don't know how to fulfill it ourselves without these substances or these things that we're addicted to. So we're turning to those. How do you think that we can better understand our triggers or even identify our triggers? Like what's making me want to turn to this substance? I have found that one, I don't need to know what the trigger is necessarily as long as I realize I'm triggered mm. and, and use that to, again, stop, bring my hands to my heart, breathe, recreate those feelings of wonder just within myself and stay in that space. And pretty soon it don't have to be there too long. I have always wanted to know what my triggers were, <laughs> what the source of them were, no matter what it was. If it was a pattern in my life that was happening, I've wanted to know. I have found that the simple asking God to reveal to me, if I need to know what the source is, that I will be shown. I just have to be open to how I'm shown. Sometimes I get a dream. Sometimes I get an experience while sleeping that's far more than a dream. Sometimes somebody sends me something in an email and I open it up and wow, there's my answer. Or a friend says something in conversation. If we ask, we will find anything that's to our benefit to find out. This might sound crazy to you, but I have, <laughs> I'm over 70 years old and I noticed a long time ago, decades, decades, decades ago, that when I finish dinner, no matter what I've eaten, I feel like something's missing. I sourced that to if I hadn't had a dessert <laughs> after <laughs> dinner, okay, <laughs> I felt something was missing. I can eat breakfast, I can eat lunch and feel fine, but it was always triggered to dinner. And dinner when I was a child was traumatic experiences for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something comfortable. I wanted that comfort food. Mm. And even after I identified that, I still felt the lack of not having the sweetness after the last meal of the day. I felt that again today. I realized all I want is a sweet taste in my mouth. I don't have to have a lot to have that sweet taste. So I literally just took an eighth of a teaspoon of a healthy sugar substitute, put it under my tongue, and notice that all of that desire for wanting anything more, I didn't have to eat a pie. <laughs> I didn't have to have anything. I didn't have to have anything huge. Just that one eighth of a teaspoon satisfied that sweetness that I felt that I was missing. A lot of us, it's our inner child that wants something. Mm -hmm. I take the time to ask my inner child, you know, with my hands on my heart, I've breathed, I've lit up my body again, and I'll ask, I'll ask my inner child, are you missing something? Is this a need you have? And I'll ask my body, is this a physical need that you really need something that's in this? And I'll listen for the answer, and, and if it's my inner child that wanted it, I'll talk, and I'll share. I'll say, well, you know, really having this right now isn't really healthy for the rest of us for this entire body. <laughs> so, so are are you are you willing? <laughs> are you willing to not have this? And I will follow what that inner child wants. And most of the time, it says yes. I I realize it's no longer healthy for us. Just making that connection 
satisfies that inner longing. But sometimes the inner child says, yes, I really need that. And I say, okay, I'm not going to fight that. (laughs) Timothy, it's fascinating Uh, hearing you talk about this because I talk to my inner child all the time as well. uh, (laughs) With with trauma, there's certain things that make me feel very afraid. As an adult, I feel afraid, but as my inner child, like I feel terrified and there's the sense of run, run because it's not safe here. And so oftentimes I have to talk to her and say, I understand that you're scared. Sometimes she's right to be scared, but other times I'm like, let's look at these other things that you're actually not able to see right now. And this is Mm -hmm. why it's not the best option for us to run. We're actually safer staying here and working through this. It's fascinating to have these conversations because once I soothe my inner child, then as an adult, there's so much more clarity and more peace for me to be able to do what adult me has to do instead of just being a flight risk and running away. Yes. Well, when we were children, we didn't have the wisdom (laughs) that our self has now. So we didn't have those choices. So whatever choice the inner child had at its disposal as a child, you know, it's going to gravitate towards until we show it that there's other ways. Yeah. And say, hey, we have other resources now. Yes. We have money. We have a car. We have a license. (laughs) We have all these other things. (laughs) Don't worry. You're safe. (laughs) Listening to you say that when you were a child, mealtimes weren't very comfortable. They were hard for you. And so now sometimes you find that you're seeking that comfort, that sweetness, something to kind of wrap it all up and be like, yeah, this was good. This was a good experience, maybe safety even, but it's fascinating how the mind subconsciously makes those connections that if you haven't spent a lot of time like yourself being aware and being conscious of it, you wouldn't have even linked the two. That's very true. After I started meditating, I was eating one time and notice that I was sitting on the left side of my body. It's like all of my weight was on my left buttocks. And it's like, wow, what's this about? And I realized that my father always sat on the right side of me as a child. And I wanted to be as far away from him as I could possibly get it at mealtime. Because <laughs> oh, he, no. was, he was the source of most of that uncomfortableness. <laughs> but my body, so I've been out of the house now, you know, it's like I'm in my 30s. <laughs> and I'm still, I notice I'm still sitting on the left buttocks. And I, to this day, I've mostly retrained myself, okay? (laughs) But there are times I still notice that there's more weight on the left side than the right side. Even before I started meditating, I was, as a CPA, I was sitting at a desk one day in, in the morning and started to work. And all of a sudden, I noticed that my toes were gripped into my shoes. And I sat there and said, what is this about? my toes are like in total fear. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're, they're gripping into my shoes. And I say, I'm just sitting at a desk. <laughs> I'm just doing accounting work. I'm safe. There's nobody trying to hurt me. But it, it is, it's becoming aware of those little things that we've ingrained in our body and then just making the steps. So even to this day, I still check in with my toes to make sure they're not gripping at any time. It's amazing the way that our bodies have memories. And if we don't check in, like you said, then we're just stuck in these cycles. For example, like often I'll find that my hands 
are clenched into fists and my body's super tense. And then I'll be like, mm-hmm. cause you know, I'm going about my day. I'm not paying a ton of attention to my body, but then I'll notice something. I'll be like, Oh, time to check. And I'm like, Whoa, why am I like ready to fight? <laughs> yes. <no> break. <laughs> well, retrain, retraining these bodies to know that they are safe and to let go of all of the tension that they've accumulated. When I started taking a yoga class in my early thirties, it wasn't much more than four to five weeks in the class. Then we did a forward bend sitting down at the end of the class and I couldn't get up out of it. My back cracked. I'd never been to a chiropractor. I was in, I thought I was in good physical shape, <laughs> but I go to this chiropractor and he takes x-rays and comes in. He says, well, you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> oh, it's never good when um, they start with but, that. But he told me that I had the neck of a 70 year old man and he'd never seen it in somebody as young as me before. Dang. I had just, because of my childhood, et cetera, which in, in relation to what most people go through, my childhood was not the most extreme circumstances for our learning that we could put ourselves in for the level of our soul and personality development. What might be traumatic to one person, for another person, it just rolls off of rolls off of them like water rolls off a freshly waxed car. You know, it doesn't bother them at all, but same thing happened. One of the ways that I started undoing that tense body was meditation and was continuing to do yoga when I could get back in and do it comfortably. And then I learned Tai Chi and Qigong, which for me were more powerful even than yoga especially forms of Tai Chi and Qigong, because the move actually erase the grooves that we've put in our consciousness Mm -hmm. that have created the unhealthy patterns. So simply by doing the movements of Tai Chi, we erase those grooves and we can replace them with things that are healthy. And it happens naturally. Meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, Yoga are really magical. A simple practice will start undoing things quicker than anything else. It reminds me of a phrase you said earlier, how you put your hands to your heart and you create positive feelings inside yourself. What are some ways that people could do that? Is there a narrative that you say Are you thinking specific things? Are you visualizing something? How does that process work? Well, that one is just recreating whatever the feelings are. You remember and you just recreate the feeling. That's one way. You can program your body when you go to sleep at night to do anything. So you can breathe in love. You can breathe in light and tell your body to keep doing this while you sleep and to bring things in harmony and balance. That's how I went to bed with that commitment to myself. And I started repeating the phrases and I don't know how many rounds, maybe through two or three of the rounds, but maybe after 13 rounds, every cell of my body just lit up like it had a thousand suns in it. And I could hear conversations going on in the house across the street. And I felt like I had lost all boundaries. My body was vibrating in ecstasy. And that was simply from repeating those phrases with the commitment to do them until something magical happened. And something magical happened. For the first hour or hour and a half after I've gone to sleep, I, I'm not there. I'm like that, you know, those, you know, when you watch a little baby, a newborn baby fall asleep, they just go totally, <laughs> yes. they go totally limp. <laughs> <laughs> and you know 
their soul is gone and reconnected with source, with God. Well, that's what happens when I go to sleep ever since that. I have many meditations on my website that are free for people that they can literally use to start recreating those incredible experiences within themselves. It sounds like that really helps you connect with yourself and with God. It sounds like it's how you said earlier, it gets rid of your boundaries and your limits. And it just sounds like pure connection. It does. I I won't share what those phrases mean to me, because I believe everybody should contemplate them as they start doing this meditation. But like you said, all of the phrases are designed to take us back to who we are. Hmm. It sounds like that helps you get to a very peaceful state. One where you can make the best decisions for yourself because you're coming from a place of love and connection, a place where you're truly in touch with what you need. When I'm not in that state, I might feel like I need a lot of things. So again, turning to things that have made me comfortable. But if I take the time to repeat these phrases over and over again and experience, literally tangibly experience, what it's like to feel better than any, we know there's no reason to turn to those substances. And in just an instant, we can recreate peace and bliss within ourselves. This reminds me of earlier in the conversation where you shared, you think a lot of addictions stem because we don't know how did you phrase it? How to love ourselves fully? How to build that connection on love? Or how did you phrase it? How to generate those feelings of love within ourselves that we're looking for? Because we all know what we're capable of inside of us. You've heard of the stages of a development that a child goes through? Mm-hmm. From zero to two, there's certain things that a child needs to learn. If they don't learn them, they're at a deficit when they get to the two to four years. Yeah, <laughs> and then two to four, there's certain things, again, that children need to learn and be provided. Yeah. <laughs> and then from like four to seven or eight. Yeah. I was reading a book by Joseph Chilton Pierce called Magical Parent, Magical Child. Of all the studying and the reading they've done about child development, he said something in there when he was going through the different stages that I had never seen before. And he said, you know, usually you figure, okay, when a child gets to 15, you know, it's like, there are no more stages, basically. You know, it's like most of most things will go to that age. But Joseph said, in the Indian tradition, when you reach the age of 15 or 16, the next stage of development is your spiritual development. Mm -hmm. That's the stage that traditional Indian families would literally turn their child over to a master, to a guru and say, you know, this is your spiritual teacher. Follow what they tell you. Very few of us realize we have to find that connection to God. If we haven't found that connection to God, that's when we start looking for all of these other things. There are so many other things that keep us from that connection to God, starting long before our teen years. You know, there there are so many distractions in this world that are vying for our attention <laughs> that it's it's one thing to know about needing that. And many of us don't even know. I held out for God and God eventually showed up. <laughs> that sounds incredible. A lot of what you're saying sounds to me like addictions prevent us from having the best connection we can have with ourselves and with God. They fill us Definitely. with this noise and this destruction 
and destruction distractions <laughs> where <laughs> I can't speak De English. <laughs> Destru destructive distractions. <laughs> there you go. Way to tie it in a nice But they keep us from the truth. <laughs> they keep us from connection. To be aware of the things that you're aware of right now, like that has taken a lot of self-awareness and honesty, which is sometimes terrifying. A lot of times I'm in circumstances where I'm just like, whoa, like, what does this mean to me really? And I have to face a lot of things about myself that I'd rather not face because it means that I have a lot of work to do <laughs> to heal things that are very energy consuming and that seem daunting. But I feel as I work on them, I'm brought to this other side where I feel peace, where I feel a calmness with myself that I haven't ever felt before. That I would never be able to feel if I stayed in untruth, if I stayed in disconnection, or if I allowed all these distractions to take me away from really connecting with myself and with God. I have found that too. And I have found that as long as my primary goal and focus is to stay connected to God, if that is your primary focus, affirming and living and starting to feel who we really are, any learnings that need that pop up, they're going to pop up and we can embrace them from that standpoint of, no, I'm love, I'm light. And yes, I might need to see this. I'm going to be aware when they pop up. I'm going to do whatever I can, whether it's breathe into them, ask for guidance, but I'm not going to go searching for all the things I think I need to do to heal myself. Mm. I'm just going to stay focused on I am whole, I am love, I am light. And if something pops in the way to show me something different, I will look at it, come back to love and light, ask for the source for me because I like to know, and then let it go. I don't want to hold on to it and carry it. I feel one of the biggest addictions we all have is holding on to negativities. Hmm. We're used to it. I see so many people suffering because they're just not willing to let go of the negativity. It doesn't have to be that they're addicted to any substance or anything. They're just addicted to feeling bad and aren't willing to look at what might have caused that or make a shift to meditate or do some Tai Chi or whatever they need to do to start shifting those patterns they're holding on to. I think it's really incredible that you mention these statements. I'm whole. I am light. I am love. In effect, what you're doing is you're reprogramming your mind. You're reprogramming the thoughts that you believe about yourself, your belief system, patterns of thought that eventually turn into patterns of behavior. It's very powerful, the kind of affirmations that we say, because they really do affect what we believe about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. What we believe we can do. It can empower us to do and become more than anything we ever thought we could. If you follow Christ, I am Christ. If you follow Buddha, I am Buddha. Whatever high vibrational short statement that you can just keep saying to yourself over and over. And if you walk, if you like to walk for exercise, you repeat those phrases as each foot hits the ground. Ingraining the affirmations we're saying into our physical being so they become a feeling because we're using our body at the same time. You need to generate the feelings. In trauma counseling, they do tapping. When you say these positive affirmations or things that you want to believe about yourself, you have to tap yes. them into your body for them to stay. But yeah, the reason why, 
I love that you mentioned that is because addictions can bring cognitive distortions. Sometimes some of those cognitive distortions are, I'm not worthy of love. I am Mm -hmm. ugly or just shame or these feelings that no one wants to be with you or that you're not worthy of doing anything, not only just being loved, but you're not smart. You're not intelligent. You're not capable. You don't have anything to offer the world. So I love that instead of allowing people to have these cognitive distortions, it's like, okay, let's reparent those and let's give ourselves new narratives, new things to believe about ourselves. Yes, I have felt that. I no longer need that. So I'm going to choose something else. I acknowledge it. I just want to affirm how wonderful tapping is. (laughs) Emotional freedom (laughs) technique. It is absolutely wonderful. When I said bring the hands to the heart, there's four steps. You can remember it by using the acronym SAFE. When you feel triggered, you engage S. Stop right then and there. A is acknowledge what you're feeling. F is feel what you're feeling. And then E is expand beyond those feelings and reconnect with your God self and feel those feelings. You've acknowledged and felt everything that's going on inside of you. And then you take the next step and turn it over to God. That works wonders also. That sounds absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that tool with us. I feel like this hour has just flown by. Timothy, I could talk with you forever. (laughs) Me too. Have we been talking about an hour? Oh, we have. (laughs) I know. I'm being conscious of it because I want to respect your time. And there's questions that I usually ask guests before they leave that I want to ask. So I would love to have you on another time and, and expound more on this conversation. You've been so fascinating to talk with. Oh, I would love to do that. Here are the last questions. What is something that you've empowered yourself to do that has improved the quality of your life? Meditate every day. I started meditating over 40 years ago, and I was a very busy certified public accountant at the time. So I set a kitchen timer so that I did not meditate beyond two minutes a day. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said. Okay, I'm going to give this a try. Two minutes. And with just that two minutes, I started feeling better. So after a week or a couple weeks, I don't remember exactly, I moved it to five minutes. Started noticing I was feeling even better. And then I moved it to 10 minutes and then 30 minutes or whatever. I eventually went to 30 minutes twice a day, then one hour a day. And at times over the years, I've meditated up to four hours at a time. But after about six or seven years of meditation, my brother gave me the best testimony for the benefits of meditation when he, I can still remember standing in my grandmother's kitchen when he said this, he says, you know what? I don't believe in a thing you do. None of this stuff that you've started doing. I don't believe in any of it, but you are a much nicer person since you've started doing it. How do you meditate? (laughs) (laughs) I've done many practices, but right now I literally just sit and watch my breath. And I I just go into instant meditation now, but that's after 40 years of daily practice. I've practiced standing meditations. I've done sun gazing, meditating on the sun, walking meditations, even, even walking from room to room. 
you know, when I get up to go from one room to another, I let go of what I was just doing. I let go of what I might be doing when I get to where I'm going. And I just focus on my feet hitting the ground and mm -hmm. feeling my feet hit the ground as I'm walking from one place to another. So there's all kinds of ways we can integrate those practices into our life. For the people who have addictions right now or who are struggling to feel connected with themselves, to feel loved or to connect with God, what is one thing you'd like to empower them to do that could improve the quality of their life? Any of the things that you and I have talked about, actually. We've talked about so many different things that, and choices people can have to reconnect with themselves. I do have lots of freebies at my website that will help people do that, no matter what their age is. I write children's stories, and I've written more children's stories than anybody in the world. Those children's stories are not only for little children, they're for the little child inside of each of us, because those stories embody everything I've learned and experienced over 70 years of life and 40 years of Qigong, Tai Chi, meditation, yoga. Everything I've learned are built within those stories. My children's stories are not just for young children, they're for the inner child inside all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Inner children definitely still need to be taken care of, even yes. if we're full-fledged adults. <laughs> uh, Timothy, for people who are stuck in repetitive, unhealthy cycles, what is one thing you would encourage them to do, and what words of encouragement would you give them? Well, having been stuck in repetitive cycles myself, seeing that we're in those cycles is the first step finding a way to get ourselves out. We've shared many of those ways. I at one point saw that I was addicted to relationships and the way that I chose to get out of that because I wanted a deeper connection with God too was I just decided no more relationships. And I also decided I was going to get up at 2.30 every morning and chant and meditate and walk and do different exercises for four hours before I started my day. This was my way of doing it. My lifestyle fitted at the time. And I did that every day for 15 years. And I broke that pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was really deeply ingrained within me. The answer to that, it's very individual. It's recognizing the pattern and saying, okay, I, I really can't do this anymore. It's just not healthy. So I'm going to shift the pattern and this is what I'm going to do to shift it. And whatever you choose, make sure it really resonates with your heart. Make sure it makes your heart sing because when it makes your heart sing, you'll keep doing it. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Timothy. Oh, my pleasure. A big dream with my podcast is to empower individuals to improve the quality of their lives by giving them tools. And I really firmly believe that we are empowered as children of God to create the life that we want, the love we want, the reality we want, and the world that we want. So my last question for yes. you today is, what is a reality you want to create in your life? My life at this point is in total service to humanity and God. There really is nothing more that I want in my life other than what I'm currently experiencing. I can control my mind just as easily as I control my arms and legs. 
If I want my mind to think, it will think. Otherwise, it's a very calm, peaceful lake. You mentioned something earlier about when we're not full of clutter and stuff, we can hear what we need to hear. I believe that all these years of meditation and Tai Chi and Qigong have cleared my mind out to write 86 children's stories. Wow. Those ideas literally come into me because I'm open. <laughs> it's like nothing else going on. I can hear ideas and say, okay, and then I have to be discerning. Is this coming from a clear place? There's literally nothing I want anymore in life other than to share different techniques and myself to help others that find me experience that and whatever other incredible things we are destined to experience and blueprinted to experience and know that we can experience life at a vibratory rate in total love all of the time and to just keep holding on to that and being willing to release anything and everything that is keeping us from that. That sounds like an amazing accomplishment to be able to feel so at peace with yourself and to have a reality that you love experiencing. That's not to say that I do not have my challenges in life. Okay, still. <laughs> in That's fan, just in part fact, of mortality, I think. Yeah, and in, in fact, I actually believe the more you want to connect with God, sometimes the challenges come even stronger to make sure, yeah, that's what you really want. <laughs> yeah, to test your desire and resilience, I totally. Uh, so I people can look. So people can look at the challenges of an addiction and say, "Wow, man, look what I created to feel what I know I'm capable of feeling. Mm -hmm. I know that I can create that now inside of myself. So I'm no longer going to use this to do that." I'm going to find those things that make my heart sing to fill the spaces that those other things filled. And that going back to what I said about, you know, letting go of things one quarter of a time and being focused. This might sound funny. I realized after a very powerful energetic experience, I liked the butter that I was putting on my bread more than I liked the bread. Mm -hmm. One of my grandmothers used to give me a quarter pound of butter every time I left her house. <laughs> and I would sit in the back seat of the car on the way home and I would eat that whole quarter pound of butter. <laughs> butter and fatty foods have always been nourishing to me. But in that moment, I realized, yeah, I really didn't like the bread. I gave up grains right then and there. <laughs> And you kept the butter. Of course, I kept the butter. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever uh, seen Bride Wars? No. It's about these two brides that are competing for a venue and a date. And they start getting really mean with each other. And one cunningly tries to fatten up the other bride. So she gives <laughs> her a big basket of international butters. <laughs> and that's what I thought of. I'm like, that would be a great gift for you. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, amazing. Timothy, I'm so grateful for you mm. because of how easy you are to talk with and just how at peace you feel with yourself and the way that you have acknowledged truth truth which mm. i'm sure has not been easy to face faith <laughs> english <laughs> easy to face because <laughs> uh. sometimes it's not especially when it's things about ourselves that we don't want to face 
There's been times where I've been like, oh, no. So I think that's absolutely amazing. And I just want to celebrate you for all the work that you're doing with humanity and how you're serving people and you're serving God. Oh, thank you. And I celebrate you as you empower, create, and encourage (laughs) everyone (laughs) with this podcast. And I can tell with your way of being in every moment. (laughs) I appreciate you so much. Where can people connect with you and what services do you offer that can help them? Timothy Stutz, S-T-U-E-T-Z dot com. There is a freebie section in the uh, menu that has free meditations, guided meditations, free Qigong exercises, fairy tales for children, some songs for children, um, the introduction to a self-empowerment course for children and families. And I have private consultations available, and I've created the most amazing book club ever created for not only children, but for parents too. That gives parents support live on Zoom twice a month. So yeah, people can check out the website. There's lots of tools there for individuals, for families, for children, for anybody of any age. That sounds amazing. Go check out all those sites. I'll link them in the show notes. As you've heard from today's episode, Timothy is wonderful. Go check him out. Timothy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you so much. This has been so much fun. Oh, it sure has. And I really love being with you. Thank you so much. If there are any patterns in your life, thoughts, beliefs, habits that you want to let go of, but you can't just yet, I hope you believe that you can let go of them. I hope you believe that you are empowered to create the reality, the love, the life that you want, and that you're worthy of it. And you're capable of so much more than you realize. And you are worthy of good and beautiful things. Check out the show notes, check out the links, and all that good stuff. Subscribe, share with a friend, and join our community on Instagram under at empower.create.encourage. There are so many things I want to share with you. Remember, you can create the life, the love, the reality, and the world that you want. I believe in you. Oh, thank you.